Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Eco Insomniacs. I'm your host, Aaron Zober. I run the blog The Appropriate Omnivore, which is all about sustainable food with an emphasis on being able to eat meat and still being good for the planet. As always with me is Diana Brand of Transition to Green, and our guest today is Monica Ford of the delivery service Real Food Devotee. So first, let's meet Diana. Tell us a little about yourself. Transition to Green introduces individuals to healthful lifestyle choices and ways of eating. Though we don't promote one diet, for example, vegan, vegetarian, over another, I personally have been following a Mediterranean fare. So for those of you who are vegan or vegetarian... If this episode is not your cup of tea, then perhaps a cup of vodka will do. Transition to Green Community is nonpartisan. It started in 2008... We offer public educational outreach about how to make a transition to sustainable services and products in the marketplace. T2G hosts a variety of events from our live forums to moderate hikes, native walking tours, historic tours, day trips, workshops. Uh, We support green festivals. We do the cleanups as well as produce different types of eco screenings, bike rides, eco book club, and we have a gathering coming up in November, meet and greet, and we're going to also have a nice discussion about Greta. A lot of good stuff to look forward to, and so let's now go over to our guest for the show, Monica. Thank you. Uh, glad to have you on the program because I know you've been on my other podcast, and I'm glad to have you now here to share your wisdom and knowledge with something that's a little bit different. Uh, the other podcast is on food, and here we talk about the overall environmental issues, but certainly food is part of it. Yeah, thanks for having me, both of you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, My name is Monica Ford, and I founded the real food delivery service called Real Food Devotee. We service all of Southern California and make foods like wildly fermented foods, bone broths, lots of gluten-free treats, and essentially healing nutrient-dense foods. And you can check us out at realfooddevotee.com. We also love to teach and educate so that if you don't want to order this food from us, (laughs) or maybe you're out of our delivery service area, you can make it on your own. So please connect with us on Instagram as well. We'd love to share recipes with you. We're obviously seeing a lot of different trends in food, and Monica's service, Real Food Devotee, covers a lot of those different things, because I'm sure you've heard of gluten-free, that one's really big, and bone broth, that's one which I love that is getting popular because... Very much, I am the appropriate omnivore, so obviously bone broth, bones come from animals, and it fits with the environmental theme because it's not just about using one animal, here's my burger, and then what we do with the rest, but really using every part. So bone broth is excellent in that way that you get to use even the bones from the animal, not just the muscle meats or even then the organ meats. There's so many great bones that you make this broth with and you make real soups, so... That's good, and I know you cover a lot of the other areas, too. I mean, you do kombucha and sauerkraut, which those are very popular. So obviously there's a very big trend now with more sustainable food, more organics. We're seeing it both in the stores, and we're even seeing it in restaurants now. You do see on their menus, they'll put things like organic, and we do see grass-fed on the menus, and then you will see some of those tags like gluten-free on it. So what's your take on where you see the food industry, both the supermarket products and the restaurant industry. How do you see that? I'm really excited 
about just being on the planet right now <laughs> with the food revival that's happening. So a lot of the old traditional practices we were using um, as communities, as cultures all over the world, like fermentation and making broths are so basic not only to healing our bodies and empowering ourselves to be optimally healthy, but also to have a really sustainable green kitchen. Bone broth is wonderful because not only is it a part of um, being respectful of an animal that we are you know, killing for our own sustenance, right? So it's much more respectful to use every part of that animal. Um, and with making bone broth, we can do that. And so bone broth is not just about drinking broth or just making soup, but it's the base of any classic sauce, you know? It's the base right. of a gravy, like Thanksgiving is coming up, yes. right? That's how I'm gonna be making my gravy with some turkey bone broth. But we also, in the Real Food Devotee Kitchen, once we make bone broth, we then take the bones and vegetables that we've used and simmered for 24 hours, or say for beef or bison, we actually simmer for 72 hours. Wow. Um, we take all of that that we strain out of the broth and we put it into our compost bin. And then it goes into our soil and makes that soil so much more nutrient dense. Mm -hmm. um, it also takes away from us putting that in the landfill. You know, we really only come out with one small bag of garbage per week. That's it, you know, wow. for a whole week, a that's household impressive. of four people. Yeah, it's amazing. And that's um, easy to do. It's easy for so many people to do. And even if you don't have compost in your home um, or outside in your backyard, if you have a garden, if you live in an apartment, you can take it to many farmer's markets even and donate your compost. And it can go back into the earth. And it can also allow you to not put out as much garbage and in mm -hmm. fact, lower your um, garbage bill, right? Right. Because right. you can size yeah. down to a smaller Excellent. container. So it's great all the way around. So long answer, very excited. Yes. <laughs> good. Yes, I liked what you talked about because a lot of people, right, they think of either just bone broth as drinking it or just soups, but there's a lot of sauces you can make. I know you've had a recipe for the barbecue sauce mm. on the Holistic Squid page, and that yeah. was a great recipe. You're from Texas, so yes. you know good barbecue sauce. <laughs> you gotta oh have your barbecue my. sauce in the summer, yes. I'm gonna wanna get that one. Yeah, <laughs> and I know I've used bone broth to make a curry verse sauce. Mm, That's been one of my yes. favorites. Are there any other uses of bone broth for sauces or other products that people might not think of? Yeah, bone broth has so many uses, and really in classical cooking it was always used, you know, as a mm -hmm. way of using everything in your kitchen. Um, and now we know there are these huge health benefits from it. We really need it, you know. Uh, bone broth contains something called gelatin, which is really just collagen that has been um, cooked down with heat. So we actually have more collagen cells in our bodies than we have muscle cells. So it's really this strange paradox that we're all eating all this muscle meat instead of having this collagen-rich bone broth. So bone broth can be used, yes, for curry sauce, it's amazing, or for um, spaghetti sauce, marinara sauce. Wow. You can use fish bone broth to make the base of a lovely um, miso glaze or a ginger glaze for soup. Um, add it to coconut with citrus and really brighten it up. It's delicious that way. Or you can just use it to cook your grains in. So if you're cooking farro or you're oh, cooking rice, use bone broth instead of water. Yeah. I like it like that. So much more flavorful, so much better for you. Or saute your veggies in it. Anything you use 
water for in cooking almost unless it's a sweet item mm -hmm. you can use bone broth and really just get more bang more health bang for your bites <laughs> i like that you talked about cooking your grains in it so this again proves my theory that grains are really only a way of getting to other foods basically because i think a lot of use of grains is a way of getting to butter so it's often a lot of ways of getting actually to the animal products i'm not anti-grain i enjoy them but if i had to lose one of the four food groups i think grains could go because really what grain is exciting on oh, its I, own i love grains i disagree but really you, you like there's a grain you could eat without mixed with it like a fruit vegetable or meat actually yes i do i but i do like adding in a broth so what's an Whether example? Whether it's a vegetable broth oh, or a broth. Oh, no. I that, that, no, do. that doesn't count. That does. It tastes, it gives it you, flavor. But it's a broth, but the broth is related with animals, so it, it do doesn't do count. Need, you do need flavor. And plus it's a vegetable broth, so even, that, even if you don't do the meat, which <laughs> I personally recommend people always do meat broth, that you're still missing it with vegetables. I am going to have a contest with you, Aaron. <laughs> No, no, I, I will I mean, prove to you that you will like greens. Well, I have to agree broths definitely up the ante or like make yeah. something so much more rich and delicious. That's true. I have and to agree. You know the really cool thing about broth also is that gelatin um, makes foods that you put it with so much more digestible. Yeah. So, for instance, when we cook foods, we're cooking out the live enzymes, of course, right? Mm -hmm. This is a big thing in the raw food diet. But those cooked foods, they're hydrophobic, so they're actually pushing away your digestive juices when they get down into your stomach. Oh. But bone broth and the gelatin in bone broth That's is hydrophilic. Yeah, so it actually pulls your digestive juices to that cooked mass of food. So it makes it more digestible. So that's Good. why people always made a gravy or a sauce for their meats, like a pot roast would have a sauce with it mm -hmm. traditionally because it would be easier to digest. That's why, like if I eat a steak, I don't get tired and have to lay down afterwards because I've got a perfect sauce with it made from bone broth. Nice. So it's really helpful, it kind of makes My your life. My grandma's making different types of bone mm -hmm. broth and when I was a kid, it was something that she would present to me when I was sick. Yeah. You know, that's gonna help you get better. Mm -hmm. And I think it did. I think so too. Oh, absolutely, Jewish penicillin. Yes. <laughs> so you're talking about with the bone broth there, properties that has the gelatin and the collagen and those are also things that we're seeing a lot of in the market we're seeing a lot of companies with that I know every year I see more companies selling collagen and gelatin mm -hmm. at the Expo West in Anaheim so that gets into then we are seeing a lot of more eco companies mm -hmm. and what is your thought on them do you think a company can be eco if it expands really wide like some of these are doing yeah, I think that's possible. It just depends on what your core mission is. Is your mission as a company to do good and do well? You know, to be profitable right. and have a good purpose in the world, um, if both of those are important. I think that once profit starts to become more important than maybe your original purpose, your original goal, right. then things become skewed. When you begin to make compromise choices, packaging and manufacturing of whatever your product is, so if that can be one of your core principles, and many businesses do this. Yes, um, right. You're, I think, kind of talking about what's known as a certified B corporation. Yeah, and many that even aren't quite there yet. Sure, because it's a process to actually is, get that certification. Sure. And you hear that whole thing in the industry of do we want the certification, whether it's organic or it's certified B or it's grass-fed certification. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people 
don't want to get the certifications, and I don't think you should rule them out just because they don't yeah. have that in yeah. any case. I, I think one step at a time, mm -hmm. and that's probably the best way, especially if you're a small business owner, just to incrementally bring these things in so that you're transitioning to being more eco and sustainable. Yeah, and it feels good for not only the founder, but for the employees as well. Our commercial kitchen, it feels good to work there. You know, mm -hmm. it's a really positive environment. Mm -hmm. um, we're being respectful um, to our vendors, the farmers that are bringing us produce. We've gone to their farms, we've met them, we've met their families, we've seen their operation, we've seen how they're regenerating the land and the soil by what they're doing, and how their food is full of nutrients. And then we're taking that food and we're treating it with care, you know, and making things from scratch. And then we're seeing the benefits in our customers as well, who are then really careful with what we're giving them. And they send their jars back to us and they oh, send the ice packs Excellent. and they send the uh, thermal bags back. So mm. it's this amazing reciprocal thing that's happening. Just from a business standpoint, it creates really strong loyalty, Yeah, you know? So people can look at that from a profit perspective too. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the thing is closing that loop in terms of waste so that we're continually trying to reuse certain materials in the business. Yeah. So I have an idea that it really hasn't picked up yet, but for instance, cereal boxes, mm -hmm. those actually break down very easily and they're still intact and they could be sent back to the company that's using them hmm. so that they can actually reuse them again. It well, hasn't been done yet, but it's something I think should get done. Speaking of cereal, a lot of cereals are made by these big ag companies, which brings us into another topic I wanted to address, getting into eco-businesses. I mean, it goes with food, but it goes with other companies too, that you do see a lot of these major companies buying smaller companies. So it comes to the question of, can a business still be an eco-business if it's owned by a larger company that's maybe not so eco-friendly? I think that's definitely possible. I think one of the ways to do that, and many of us like artisanal entrepreneurs who are creating products that are ethically sound, environmentally sound, and nutritionally sound, that when we do sell a product or a company to a larger conglomerate, it's important to keep our original goals, the reason that consumers were coming to us in the first place, to keep those within the seller contract, at least for a certain amount of time. Otherwise, I feel like in a way we're undermining the very people who partnered with us to make that product a thing right. in the world. And making those products is part of changing the food system. Making a truly soundly nutritional product that people can buy and feed to their children with confidence is huge. It's not super prevalent. It's becoming more prevalent now, thank God, but it's not everywhere. When I leave California, I see that when I go into the rest of the country. There aren't as many healthy choices. And to just kind of um, leave all of the people who supported us uh, from the get-go, from when we were making these foods in our own little home kitchens, before we got a big commercial kitchen, 
to leave those people by the wayside, it's a shame, kind of a betrayal. I see it that way. I mean, I hate to make it super dramatic, no. but, no, but I see it as a consumer betrayal. I can see that too, because that is an important thing to know about when these larger companies buy the smaller eco-businesses. These larger companies, they have a lot of distribution, and so that does help them get into stores that maybe some people even in large cities wouldn't shop at. And like you said, we get into smaller cities where sometimes people don't have these natural grocers in yeah. their smaller yeah. cities that these large companies distributing them helps them get into exactly. everyday stores. So there is a company, it's not really food-based, it's Burt's Bees, mm -hmm. and my understanding is they were bought out. And it's right, larger. Corax, I believe. Yeah, I think so. So a larger company, and they've changed the ingredients. It's no longer really Burt's Bees. And that upset me. Some of the stuff that's in there shouldn't be in there. Anyway. I think you have to look at it on a case-by-case -case basis. There are yeah. examples like that of Burt's Bees where they do lose quality, but I can think mm -hmm. of a lot of examples where they're bought by a larger company and they still maintain their quality. For instance, Primal Kitchen, which is now owned by Kraft, it's still the same company that when they started. Mark Sisson, who founded it, he's still running. I mean, that's an important thing you have to look at. When they get purchased, does the founder of it get ousted or kind of like a record label? You've seen records, one of the industries where this happens the most, record labels get bought, but they don't just put all the bands then on the main label. The record labels really remain unique, and that can be done in other businesses too. Also, it's just staying true to the mission, the original mission from the smaller company. And, and these yeah. larger companies also can be like a really positive yeah. thing too because they have so much buying power that ingredients, it's not necessary to change the ingredients because they can get those ingredients for much less than maybe I can. Right. You know, because of their huge buying power. Absolutely. Exactly. So the cost can become less and the profit can become greater right. with a bigger company buying it. How much profit do we need? Mm -hmm. Is the answer to that just more? No. Or is it like something reasonable where we can stay true to the consumer and the mission of the original brand? I hope it's brand. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, that's what we all hope for, yeah. yeah. I hope for that as well. And so, as we've talked about larger companies buying these smaller eco-companies, we also just talked about the expansion of natural organic and other labels onto the mainstream market. Where do you see the future of your business? We've definitely grown a lot. This just kind of real food devotee and delivering all over Southern California, I mean literally started as me just being a personal chef. And I came to ancestral foods like wild fermentation and kind of like making everything from scratch just from a culinary point of view. But then my clients started seeing all these health improvements and healthcare practitioners then started sending people to me. And so it organically became where you order online and we deliver all over the place simply because I couldn't go to everyone's house right. anymore. So we're kind of letting it organically take form. And we haven't really done much of any advertising other than community outreach projects mm -hmm. and classes and workshops. I hear that's the best way to grow a company, especially when you're a smaller company is through word of mouth. Yeah, it so. feels really good and it yeah. keeps you really on track with your goals and your morals, your mm -hmm. vision for the company. Yeah. So we're not necessarily looking to be bought up or anything like that. We love serving this community 
and keeping the role of not only making this food accessible and convenient, and also a convenient way for people to support small farmers. Like if you can't mm -hmm. make it to the farmer's market every week, you can purchase food from us, from Real Food Devotee, and you're still supporting those farmers. By us banding together, we're giving small farmers sustainable, stable, financial right. success. That's you know, right. it's amazing. Yeah, so it feels really good the way it is right now. So I think we're just going to keep organically growing with that. Thank you, Monica. Glad to see that the Real Food Devotee is growing successfully. We're just about out of time for this show. But before we go, first let's head over to Diana one more time. Diana, tell the listeners where they can learn more about Transition to Green. Transition to Green is primarily on meetup.com. That's where we list most of the activities and events that we're doing. We also have a Facebook page. I guess it's known as a fan page. And you can check us out there as well. Thank you, Aaron. And Monica, we're about done for this show. But, of course, we're going to bring you back next month. And we'll continue this. Before we wrap this show, tell the listeners where they can learn more about Real Food Devotee. Thanks, guys. It's been so fun to be here. If you'd like to look into Real Food Devotee, I invite you all to go to realfooddevotee.com, where you can make your order for delivery of ancestral foods all over Southern California. And if you're not in the Southern California area, please connect with us anyway. Check us out on Instagram at realfooddevotee. That's our handle, and we'd love to answer any fermentation or green questions you might have. Let's grow our community and keep the conversation going. Thank you. Excellent. And so we'll see both you, Monica, and Diana back next month with me on the Eco Insomniacs.